by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth, listen to this, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Now, verse number 15 um, we'll, we'll just continue reading. We find now there's 5,000 in this multitude of verse number 14, at least 5,000 men. Typically, that's how it was numbered. And so chances are there were upwards of 10, 13, or even 15,000 people here. It says in verse number 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place. Have you ever been in a desert place and wondered what to do? (laughs) Hmm. And the time is now past. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five fishes and two loaves. Two loaves and whatever it says. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples. And the loaves, excuse me, loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled And they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. I want to read down to verse 23. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And... When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we sure do thank you for your blessings today. We thank you for what you've done for us. We're so thankful for that grace that we sang a little bit about this morning. Thankful, Lord, that that you gave us a good Sunday school lesson here in the adult class. And, Lord, I'm sure you did in the other classes, Lord. But I'm grateful, Lord, that we can can sing about your goodness and we can testify about your goodness. But, God, I'm glad that we can feel your goodness on the inside. It's something that we can testify of ourselves. And, Father, I thank you for that. Lord, we ask you now that you would bless us as we try to preach your word. Lord, if you're done with us, I pray that you'd move us aside. Lord, if you want us to continue, I pray that you'd help us to do so. God, we pray that you'd bless this people. I ask you, Lord, today that you'd give them strength that they didn't know they needed. Father, we pray you'll give us grace that we didn't know we needed. Have your will in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach on this thought when the crowd is gone. When the crowd is gone. Uh, I have noticed the last several camp meetings that we've had. Um, come Wednesday, the crowd is fairly thin. And come come Thursday, it's nearly just about our folks, maybe a couple visitors here and there. This this past Thursday night, it was a little bit different. But I've noticed that the the 
the meter of the service often is a little slower and it seems like it's a little low. You know, folks at the end of the meeting, they're tired. They're worn out. And then a lot of the shouters and the runners and the, and the loud folks, they're gone. But I want to encourage you this morning that God's got something for you when the crowds are gone. A lot of times, and it is traditional, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it is tradition that the Sunday morning after camp meeting is very low and it's very quiet and it's because we're tired in the flesh. But I don't care this morning. I want us just to worship the Lord. Amen? I know we can be tired tomorrow if we need to, but if you'd have been here for Sunday school... I need about three people that was late to say amen. If you was here at Sunday school, you would have forevermore gotten blessed by the Sunday school lesson this morning. I'm telling you what's true. God spoke to my heart and said, just keep on going. Don't give up. Press on a little bit longer. And uh, it was wonderful this morning, Brother David. And, and ladies, I'm sure y'all's was wonderful too. I just didn't get invited to y'all's class. So I decided to stay in Brother David's. But one of the um, hardest times in a large Meeting is the end. I said to several of our men, well, if we can just take the heavy stuff in, uh, I'll take care of the rest on Friday and I'll get the tables and things like that. But I'm here to testify this morning. I thank God I didn't have to ask. Everything was brought into the sanctuary, put where it needed to be. And I thank you, men. I appreciate it. Some of you ladies may have helped with that. That's a blessing to me. But some of the hardest times of a large meeting is the ending. That's when all of the emotions have come to a head and now you're ready to go home. But I watched at 11 o'clock standing out here in the parking lot. There were people that needed to go to work the next day. They were still out there basking in the love, basking in the grace and in the parakeet stories or whatever that craziness was. And I tell you, it's because that God was doing something. I don't know if y'all caught this. But on Thursday night, it was you that were testifying about the goodness of God. It wasn't a whole lot of visitors. It was you. It was our folks testifying about being saved and how good God was and and what He's done for us and raising your hands and shouting. And you understand that for a pastor, that's a blessing. That it's not just the visitors getting blessed. But it's his people getting blessed. And God's blessed me throughout this whole thing. And I believe as Brother David said that he heard from several people about the help that folks got from this meeting. And I've heard it from folks inside the church and outside the church over and over again that they were helped this week. And I praise his name for it. But all the crowds are gone. Tim's still up. Me and Brother Lee was talking this morning. I, for about... Three and a half seconds thought about having church out there this morning. But then I realized how painful it was to move all this sound equipment out there. But we probably might even should have just met and just just went old school. No sound system, no nothing. But I'm going to tell you something. Just because the crowd's gone doesn't mean God is. Just because it might be a little bit quieter in here doesn't mean God ain't working. I've been, man, a lot. Exodus chapter number 40 has been on my mind all week long. I was looking at it Tuesday night. And uh, uh, at verse number 36, I believe it is, it, it was talking about the, the glory of God in that cloud falling down on the tabernacle there in the wilderness. And uh, it said that, that it was so heavy that Moses couldn't enter into the tabernacle. 
And it went on and gave instructions. It said, when that cloud lifted from off the tabernacle, the people journeyed to where they needed to go. But as soon as the glory fell, the people stopped and they worshipped and they allowed God to do a work. And that's what we had this this week. The glory was in the tabernacle and now God's moved and He's back over here in the sanctuary. And I want to be where the glory is. Somebody help me right there. I want to be here. You say, well, does it come from people from Tennessee or from Florida or from North Georgia, from West Georgia? No, 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 no. What we had this week came from God. You better mark it down. If there was not a visitor one, God was going to bless us. He told me that a long time ago, and we're going to press on in what He said. Amen. And so I, I want you to know that when the crowd is gone, it doesn't mean God is. People's got to leave. When they do, we often dread it. We, and, and maybe it's just me. I feel a whole lot of emotion that y'all don't even probably even think about feeling. I look back and I'm like, well, where are they at? Oh no, they done got mad. They done quit on God. Oh Lord, they fell in sin. I'm talking about, brother David, my, my, my mind goes everywhere. And, and the Lord's like, you're an idiot. God talks to me that way. I don't know what He does to you. He's like, you stupid. What are you thinking? They, they're just five minutes late. Don't worry. But we go through all of those emotions and we dread. Now everybody's gone. I'm going to tell you the sweetest time that I had. I'm just, that sweetest time that I had was after 12, I guess it was after 12 o'clock in this parking lot by myself on Thursday night. The tent was empty. The parking lot was empty. The church was empty. Just me and God walking around thanking Him for what He And in this parking lot, and in that grass out there, God met with me. And I say hallelujah. And there wasn't a soul around, Brother Deke. And God met with it. Just because the crowd's gone doesn't mean that He is. Amen. I'm going to give you, I'm going to try my best to give you something this morning. I want you to know that a lot of times when, when that crowd is gone, that's when God does His best work. That's when God does the greatest things. Number one, the crowd has had their field. And, and I don't want this to sound negative. I believe God blessed us with the crowd, Nathan. I believe God touched us in having folks come in. And those folks came in hungry. And they came in thirsty. They came in burdened. Many of them were pastors or preachers of one, uh, one calling or another. They came in needing something for God. The crowds had their field. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let's look at verse number 20 and 21. We know there was at least 5,000 men there. They didn't have a whole lot of food, but Jesus blessed and He broke it and He gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave it to the multitude. Verse 20, And they did all eat and were filled. They did all eat and were filled. And it says, And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full, and they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. I want you to know, first of all, we're going to have to go back up, that these people sought the Lord. If you're taking notes, and we'll try to slow down and help you. Number one, the crowd had their field. Under that sub-point, they sought out the Lord. Look with me in verse number 13. When Jesus heard about John the Baptist, he departed by a ship 
into the desert apart. And when the people heard, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth, if, if, if you will, out of the desert, and he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. They sought out the Lord. They listened to his words, but they were weary and they were hungry. Don't ever come into this meeting and say, well, I wish we could just have a meeting where it was just us. I want you to know that the same God that wants to and can bless you, He needs others to get to a place where they can be blessed. Brother, Brother Dave, was it in Sunday school, Brother David, you were talking about this meeting? I told some men that I was texting this morning, I thank God for the men that dig the wells at this place so we can still drink the water like we did last, last week. And the reason is because these men and their, their people are coming, they're seeking the Lord. Many of them look forward to this all year long because they've been in meetings and left empty and dry. They've been in meetings and worse left worse off than they were when they came. And so they've come down here. And I'm not prideful. Please don't think I'm prideful. But they came down here to where God was and blessed them. These multitudes went to where Jesus was. They sought Him out. They needed a touch. Jesus had compassion on them. Amen. And He healed them. He fed them. God gave them abundance of blessing. He taught them. He strengthened them for the journey. Somebody help me right there. These folks that have come from many miles, or I guess probably uh, the, the furthest was probably Brother Nancy, uh, Sister Nancy and Brother uh, uh, Rodney, and then Brother Glenn Hall probably came from the furthest away up in Indiana. But I'm going to tell you something. God brings them people down here because they were looking for something and because they needed something. And now it's not something that they couldn't get where they were, but God had ordained a place where they could get help. And don't think for a moment that Jesus was in that desert place on accident or by coincidence. It was ordained that He was there. It was ordained that when He come out of the desert, He saw this multitude and had compassion on them. He taught them, but He had to help them on their journey. The disciples, and that's the way we are sometimes, just send them away. Just send them away. Just let them go. That's what the disciples even He said, no, we don't need to send them away. So how much food you got? He said, we got a sardine and two saltine crackers. Well, let's get it out of here. Let's eat. And he blessed it and, and he fed over 5,000 people. That's what, that's what God did this week. That's what God did this week. And listen, there were leftovers. Figuratively, Brother Deke, I watched people fill their coat pockets full of glory and full of grace. And they said, I'm taking this home with me. And they left. I mean, they looked like they just robbed the bank. And I'm telling you, I watched them as they got in cars and they had tears about to come out of their eyes, Brother Lee, because they didn't want to leave, but they knew they had to. But you know what God did? He gave them 12 baskets of leftovers. Amen? Number one, the crowd has had their feel. Number two, there was work to do. After the, after the crowd's gone, there's work to do. They had to, we had to, well, y'all did it. I didn't even do it. Had to empty the tent and get the stuff back where it belonged. There's work for us to do. But listen to this, verse number 22. 
And straightway, or immediately, if you will, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Now, I've broken this up because there's two things that needs to be pointed out. Number one, this word constrained, it means to urge or or to necessitate. In other words, he says, boys, I need you to get into the ship. Don't ask any questions. Don't worry about the how. Don't worry about the why or the how long. It is a necessity that you get into the ship. Then he said, I want you to now go before me to the other side of the sea. Now listen to this. Jesus is on one side of the sea. He's telling his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. How's Jesus going to get to the other side? Well, hang on just a minute, honey. He told them to go to the other side before Him. He sent them to toil in the water. He sent them to toil to work in the middle of the sea as He sent the multitude away. They were still being blessed. There's not a doubt in my mind that those disciples got in the boat like many of us have. Did you hear what Jesus said? Did, man, you... He said... He said, can you believe? He said, we just had a few fish and a few loaves of bread and now we got 12 baskets full. Did you? What about Jesus? Didn't we all do that when we got to the house? Didn't we all start whispering? I've had, I could not tell you how many preachers that have said this week, well, brother, how'd the meeting go? I said, I have no idea. I cannot put it into words. All I know is God sure did bless me. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. I fought tooth and nail within myself not to put it on Facebook. Bless God, I'll tell you what, and I don't want this to sound strange, but sometimes this thing gets like it's a husband and wife in the bedroom. Ain't none about nobody else's business. And it got so intimate this week that I, I didn't want to, to put it out there, but I heard from men and I heard from women all throughout the week said, I know you didn't want to do this, but I'm thankful you did because I couldn't be there, but I enjoyed it. You said, well, you're going to do that? I don't know. Might not do it next time. Almost didn't do it this time. May not do it tomorrow. But i tell you something. They were whispering. I believe they were blessed by what God just done by feeding the 5,000 now they were, they were told to, now go away. I'll take care of the crowds. You go away. And won't Jesus take care of the crowds? Won't Jesus, Brother Deke said, did everybody get home okay? Did everybody get safely back to where? Yeah, because Jesus had a hold of them. He took them through the woods. Uh, Brother Ronnie Waters, him and his wife came two, maybe three nights. And he said, Brother, just pray that the deer stay in the woods. And son, I did right there. And you know what? He did. He let the deer stay out of the way. And they made it home and back. Twice at least. He said, I want you, I want you to go to the other side. There's still work to do. I want you to go to the other side. There was work on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. If you, if you look, you can turn your pages and look, you'll see that there was a lot of men and a lot of women that needed healing on the other side of, Gal- of the Sea of Galilee. There was a woman from Canaan that had a daughter that was vexed with a devil, and that little girl needed a touch from Jesus. There was a dumb man that needed to speak. There was a lame man that needed to walk. There was a blind man that needed to see. And it all started with get in the ship 
and go to the other side. I want you to know today the crowd's gone, the meeting's over, but there's work for us to do. Somebody help me and say amen. There's work for us to do. Oh yeah, we need to, we need to take up money. We need to plan for next year and see and pray what God's gonna do. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's lost people out here that need to be saved. Uh, there's sinners that need to hear that Jesus loves them. Uh, there's multitudes that Jesus wants to have compassion on, but they need to know that they can go to Him. He said, I want you to go to the other side. Number three, I want you to know also when the crowd's gone, a storm might arise. Watch out now. There might come a storm. This morning in Sunday school, Brother David was talking about the storms. He said, I really don't remember everything about it, Brother David, but you said, when the storms come through, when the tornadoes come through, when the uh, what you, you when the drought comes through, when this comes through, made me think about old brother David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, "I ain't laying out ten pegs. I'm going through this thing." Amen. And you better believe it that the storms may come. They may come and they may settle for a few days, but just press on, honey, because they're going through. Amen. The storm may arise. The disciples were doing the will of God. <laughs> they were doing what Christ told them to do. And right in the middle of them rowing to the other side, here come a storm. Now, if it had been me out there, I probably said, Now, look here, Lord. I'm doing what you want me to do, and you bring all this wind and all this rain. What? What am I doing wrong? Now, we don't, we don't really read too much of that. I'm not even going to get in there with Peter. But, but Brother Deke, this storm came when they were right in the middle of God's will. They were where God told them to be, and they were doing what God told them to do. And all of a sudden, here came a storm. They were being tossed. The wind was contrary. And folks, church, lighthouse, the crowd may be gone. There's work for us to do. And Jesus has already blessed them and He's blessed us. But in doing God's work, know that a storm may arise. It may be collectively as a church that we face a storm. It may be individuals that may face a storm. But I want you to know that the story's not over. I want you to listen to this. Jesus, number four, was there all alone. When everybody else is gone, when you're troubled, Jesus is there. Look with me in verse number 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him on the, saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. You're liable to be in a storm very soon, maybe even right now. Somebody said this morning, been in a storm for, I believe it was six or eight months. But I want you to know, you're not in it alone. You're not in it alone. Jesus, He is having compassion in verse, what was it, 13? 14 maybe? 
we see that He touches this crowd. We see that He sends them away and tells His church, if you will, if I can say it like that, His disciples to go work, go do what they need to be doing, go to the other side. There is a storm that comes, but the whole time it says, and when they had, when He had sent the multitudes away, verse 23, He went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the even was come, He was there alone. In this storm, it may feel like you're all alone. But Jesus is still praying for you. He's still making intercession. Look with me now. It says in the fourth watch. This has always blessed me. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, if you scholars find out that I'm wrong, just let me have my blessing for a while and then tell me about two months later and I'll take it and I'll change everything. The earlier verse says it was about even. Here in verse number 23 and 24 it says that it was evening. The disciples are out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And it says the fourth watch. The evening, that first watch, Kurt, is from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. That's the first watch. The second watch, Bobby, is from 9 to 12 third is from 12 to 3 and the fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. In the fourth watch of the night all night long they had been struggling with this storm. Jesus could have bounded on the scene anytime he wanted to but he left them in the storm while he was praying. You may feel all alone. You might feel like Jesus is not in the boat with you. But we need to be like Abraham and just believe God. He said, go to the other side. Oh, yes, sir. Let's go to the other side. He didn't say anything about a storm. He didn't say anything about calm seas. He didn't say anything about lightning, rain, wind. He didn't say anything. He said, go into the boat and go to the other side. And they did. But they toiled all night. I I, I meant to look up how, how far they may have toiled from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. I feel like it shouldn't have took them all night. But Kurt, it did. And sometimes God will leave you in the storm all night long and come to you just before, just before you figure it out. Just before it turns daylight, Christ will come in there and He'll show you that He is there and has been all alone. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. And I've told you this before, especially in our men's Bible study, which, by the way, is this coming Saturday. Shameless plug there. Jesus went, look with me, this is verse number 25. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. This word unto, it means toward a subject with intent or intentions to a goal. He didn't just go to them. He went to them to work in them. He went to them to help them. He walked on the water. Kyler Rowland wrote a song. Uh, what is it? He will roll you over the tide. I believe is the name of the song. I was thinking about this as I was pinning some of this down. The very thing 
that these disciples were struggling with, the very storm that they were fighting, that they were toiling with, the very thing that they were fearful of, Jesus came walking on. And the same is true for you today. The crowd's gone. The meeting's over. storm might be coming. But I want you to know this, that the very thing that has you bound up inside with fear and anguish and dread, Jesus can come walking to you in the middle of all that on top of the thing that has you bound up. He walked on the water. Don't be dismayed, church, that the crowd has left. Jesus is still here. And I'm glad this morning that it's not just a once a year that we can say Jesus meets with us. And you think, what was it now, two weeks ago, I think it was, on a Sunday morning, God moved in here, people singing, come to the altar, testifying. It doesn't hurt my feelings when God moves in and I don't get to preach. And I love it. <laughs> I love it when you say, somebody say, well, how was church? It was good. That We didn't even have preaching. It's like, woo, that'd make it all better if we didn't have preaching. You know, I got to thinking this way, Brother Dean only preached twice. I'm going to fire him. But didn't God do something? I'm glad that this morning here at Lighthouse we we can honestly say, and I cannot speak for any other church. There's only only two, only three other churches that I could possibly speak of, but there's years between, so I don't know what God's doing now. But I know what God's doing. I know what God is doing here, and God blesses us. I told somebody this week, maybe even last week. I don't remember. You might not be able to measure Lighthouse Baptist Church by our camp meeting because it's not always that high. People are not always running around. But even on quiet services, there's still a Spirit of God that's unmatched anywhere. Amen? <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you something. That ain't because of me. That's because of Him in you. And I, if I were you, if you can be proud and still be humble, I'd be very humbly proud of that. Is that an oxymoron? Yes, I agree. Brother Ryan Goins said, I'm furry. God blesses us. But know that there's still work for us to do. Nine and a half percent of marriages in Sumter County have ended in divorce. You say, well, that's manageable. No. That's, that's nine and a half of, uh, where are we at? Maybe 15,500 people in Sumter County. It's not almost 10 percent of that. Homes that have been broken. Husbands and wives that have been torn from one another's arms. There's work for us to do. 28% of Sumter County is in poverty. I'll just be honest with you. Some of that is generational. I think we all know that. It's generational. 
People just get used to living like that so they don't do anything. They don't get an education. They don't get a job. It's generational. But still, there's work for us to do. Somebody help me. 3% of Sumter County couples are shacking up. Now, the census don't say shacking up. They say unmarried couples living in the same house. That's shacking up. That's what it was defined to me as. If you a man and she's a woman, she ain't your mama, she ain't your sister or your aunt or your grandma, you shacking up, Jack. Well, I'm trying to find out if I love her. You're an idiot. It's what you are. If you got to live with her to find out you love her, shame, shame. Everybody knows your name. 3% of deaths in Sumter County in the last five years were suicide. If you were to look at the rates of suicide in Georgia, not America, but Georgia, it would, it would shake you to your core. The amount of people that are taking their own life. There's work for us to do. We just got filled up. We just got blessed. Now we're being told to go to the other side because there's work for us to do. You might face a storm. Our flesh doesn't enjoy those storms. Our flesh doesn't enjoy even the things of God. It's evident. We're wearied. But Paul said, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint. You might not ever know what this meeting over the last 36 years has done for somebody until you get to heaven. Remember that plate you picked, you fixed on Wednesday night for some little snotty-nosed kid? You might not know what that's going to do for them come time for eternity. Remember that person you went out to the rock altar with in the last several years? You may not ever know down here what God's doing in their life because of your comfort to them while they were praying. You never know. Satan doesn't like meetings like we had. But I'll say this again. Sometimes we blame too, we blame too much on Satan. When it's really us. It's our stinking flesh. Jesus knows where you are. Remember He came to His disciples? The reason He came to His disciples. Now God's omniscient. I know that. He's omnipotent. I know that. He's omnipresent. I know that. But the reason He went right to His disciples is because they were right where they were supposed to be. You ever lost somebody in Walmart? You leave them by the diapers and you find them by the fishing rods? Some, Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Well, I left you right here. Where have you been? I've been looking for you for five minutes. I don't know. I saw this over here. They were right where Jesus told them to be. And church, I want to be right where God tells me to be. So that when I am in my storm, and don't misunderstand, I know that no matter where I am, He'll know where to find me. I know that. But I want to be right where He tells me to be so I don't miss Him when He comes by. Amen? Let's come with a song of invitation.
He'll come to you at the right time. He could have come at sundown. They've been talking about evening for seven verses. They're talking about evening. He could have come right then. Hey boys, just, just, I'll pray in the boat. Let's just all get in the boat and go over. That's not what he wanted. He wanted them to step out in faith and do what he told them to do while he sent the multitudes away and while he went into the, the mountain to pray. He could have come at sundown. He could have come before midnight. He could have come just after midnight, but instead he waited right before sunrise. That, Jimmy, they lost all confidence in themselves. Many of these were fishermen. They knew how to work the, the rigging. They knew how to work the sails. and They knew how to, how to row and when to row and the timing of it. They'd done all they could do. Then Jesus came. Sometimes He comes right before we lose all hope and we give up. But they were astonished when they saw Jesus. Fearful. I love what it says. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be of good cheer. The crowd's gone. The tent's empty. The meeting's over. Be of good cheer. It is I. We say it all time, Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Church, I want you to know, cheer up. Be of good cheer. Let's stand. Father, we love you and we thank you for your blessings. We pray now, God, that you would move in a mighty way. God, we ask you this, this morning that you would touch the hearts and the minds of your people. Lord, no doubt. No doubt there's a weariness about us. But Lord, that's okay. That's okay. As long as we're ready to do it tomorrow if you lead us to. God, we ask you that you would touch your people. Lord, they might be going through a storm. Thursday night, the storm may have crashed down on them. Friday night, Saturday, tomorrow, maybe that storm is coming. Lord, I pray you'll let them be found right where you want them to be. Lord, let us realize, Lord, that there's there's men and women and children in our community that need you. There's work for us to do. There's somebody spiritually blind that needs to be able to see. There's someone, they're so lost and they're still they're so much in a fleshly drunken stupor that they can't walk. God, they're lame. They need to stand up straight and walk. God, there's some that are filled with devils. They need the name of Jesus spoken to them. God, I ask you, Lord, might be someone in here today that's lost. They need to be saved. God, I pray you'll stop all their games. God, I pray you'll stop all their, their wonderings. What if this and what if that? God, I pray you'll grip their heart and draw them to you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.